Uh, how cool is that? This Father's Day, I had a, a real kind of dream in my heart. Instead of just doing what I have done for decades, and that's preach a Father's Day sermon, I thought maybe we could dig deep with dads. That's sort of a sermon right there. And uh, just have a discussion time today. And these are great fathers. They're great sons in the house, pillars in the house, but they're also great fathers in the house. Even a couple grandfathers at this table. I think that's me and you, Dan. It's funny, we're the grandfathers, but we're the youngest looking here at the table. <laughs> but uh, we, I just thought maybe as men share their hearts and uh, that something of the Holy Spirit will touch each and everyone in the room. So would you reach your hand out towards us, please, as we just pray, Father, we love you, and we love being a part of your gracious, gracious family. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you've done for us, our Savior, our elder brother who has brought us into the family of our Father. So grateful. And I ask now in these next few moments that you would speak deep. Lord, that you'd speak deep to our hearts on this Father's Day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, uh, just each of the men, uh, uh, real quick here, just uh, tell, tell me, take a minute, each man, and tell me uh, about your children. We'll start with you, Mitch. Oh, I'm Mitch. If you don't know. Um, how you going? And I've got three awesome kids. I've got Eva, who is 15, Micah, who is 12, and Cooper, who is 7. And they are such a blessing to me, and uh, they're awesome. Good. Um, I, I am... My name's Daniel. I have two beautiful daughters. Uh, the oldest is Lauren. The youngest is Jordan. Um, both married to beautiful, now my sons, Josh and Callum. And I have a beautiful granddaughter named Adeline. Cool. Test, test. Hello, everybody. My name is Byron. Um, apologies there. I have four beautiful kids. And... Um, Oh, am I on now? There you go. Live and deadly. Byron. Yeah. Hey, everybody. My name is Byron. I have four awesome kids. Um, they're just like uh, the young brothers have uh, mentioned. They're a blessing in my life. They do their part where they challenge me and test me. But uh, praise the Lord. Yeah. Uh, I'm lucky. I've got two children, uh, Luke and Amelia. Amelia is five. Luke is three. And I have two twin girls on the way sometime in November. Ooh. Um, which is terrifying. <laughs> Hi everyone, my name is Fred. I have two wonderful, beautiful boys, and Malachi, who's just turned 13, and younger ones turned 11. And yeah, so 13 year old, just turned teenager. Yes, it's a bit, bit of a challenge. <laughs> and I'm Stu, uh, I've got four boys, um, three of them adults, I've got one teenager still. And, uh, yeah, I, it's my greatest joy to be a dad in my life. So. That's great. Well, we appreciate that. I gathered uh, with these men the other night in my office, and we were just going to have a quick 10-minute uh, uh, little talk before we have the panel. We were there an hour and a half. The Holy Spirit came in the room. There were tears. It was just amazing. And uh, so what I asked of each of these fellows today is that uh, we're going to talk through two or three, you know, pretty important issues. And... I, we're not, I told the guys today, we're not looking for sound bites. 
but we're really looking for, uh, you know, things that come from the heart go to the heart. Things that come from the head go to the head. And so we want to go for the heart today. So I thought I would just start. I, Dan, I know that you have, uh, you and Alex have built a great business. And what, how, what decision did you make at uh, some point in your life where that business was very demanding? As I recall, Dan, you, years ago, I remember you working mega hours a week, and you had these beautiful daughters at home. Talk us through a little bit about managing career and family. Um, yeah, you're right. We, I was working insane hours. Um, Ali and I were pretty um, dead set on being rich um, when we first got married and even into our first few years of being saved. Um, then the, the kids came along and um, I was working 75, 80 hours a week, um, full-time work plus starting a business on the side. Got to the point where Lauren was about three years old, Jordan would have been about one-ish, and God really started to place a conviction on my heart that the kids were the most important, well, my family was the most important thing in my life, not the business. But he also said that I could have both, um, and I didn't know how to do that. Um, so the biggest decision I ever made in my life was I was sitting in my office one day, and I, the best way I can describe it is made a deal with God. I said, God, you've convicted me to spend less time working, but you know what we want to do um, business-wise and in missions and all those kinds of things, but family's important. And I said, I promise to not work more than 40 hour, 45 hours a week, but you've got to do the rest. And um, I'm glad to say that I held my end of the bargain, and I'm glad to say that God just absolutely held his end of the bargain. Um, my business went up 50% every year um, from that point on. Um, and he, I couldn't have even dreamed to have had uh, what I've got today. It's amazing. A little bit like what uh, Matt was speaking the other night, when we seek first the kingdom of God yeah. and his righteousness and all these other things. Are added and, he, to and he blessed that decision because... Um, I've got the best family in the world, yeah. in accordance to my, in accordance awesome. my opinion, anyway. <laughs> Lucky, you also made a similar kind of decision uh, some years ago. Maybe talk us through that. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't running my business. I'm doing that tomorrow, actually. <laughs> um, but I, I was a, a, a career guy. I was working for a big box company and uh, putting a lot of hours, 65-plus hours a week, and, and starting to miss some of Amelia's key milestones. Um, I'm also the kind of guy that likes to pick up a new hobby every two weeks. So a lot of my time in the afternoons were chewed up with those as well. And, and I, I made a conscious decision to be home with my kids in the afternoons. Um, but more than that, made a conscious decision to be present with my kids. It's, it's easy with the technology we have to ch just check Outlook or just check Teams or just you know, spy a few reports from the business. But um, switching that off and, and being... Uh, with the kids is the most important thing in my life. Um, it's why I work. I work for those two little terrorists and the other two coming. I work to provide for them. So the time that I have with them should be more precious than anything else. And so um, that was uh, a tough decision. I had to curb a lot of habits, but um, it's, it's paying dividends uh, now. And, and well, we're still in early days. So, Thanks, mate. I want to... 
talk about something a little more difficult. I want to talk about a father wound. I have been amazed over these last couple of decades to see the depth of father wounds in the earth. And I mean, not just here, I, in, in other nations. I was speaking at a conference years ago in Singapore about the father heart of God and father wounds. And honestly, before I could finish and give an invitation, men were running. This was in the civic center there in Singapore. They literally were running to the altar. They hit the, the floor, which was like a, you know, a basketball court kind of a thing. I watched men slide five and 10 meters to put their face on the altar, dealing with father wounds of their own life. Fathers who had never said once in their life, I love you or I'm proud of you. And actually, we had this discussion the other night in my office, and even some of the men here in this room have had a very similar experience. My father left home when I was five years old, and uh, I never, he never came back, and found out later he went to prison for armed robbery, and uh, uh, so a father wound uh, can, is, is a powerful thing, it's a big thing, and it's a lot of reality. <laughs> As a matter of fact, most famous scripts for like movies and these kinds of things work. They, they're really all about a father wound. I mean, I watched Star Wars so many times before I realized the whole thing is about a father wound. Let's, let's, let's. Father, he told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. Search your feelings, you know it to be true. No! No! No, you don't want Darth Vader as your father. <laughs> and yet, of course, that whole saga is about a redemption and a restoration of a father wound. And I don't know how many movies they've made now sort of around that. And then I had the opportunity years later of actually meeting my father. Carol found him on the internet when he'd gone to prison, he changed his name. We hadn't heard from him in, in forever, uh, 50 years. And uh, one day we drove up to his house and I walked out of the car and just walked up with my heart pounding out of my chest, scariest thing I've probably ever done in my life. And, and I had the privilege of being restored to my father and that father wound was healed in, in my circumstance. But you don't have to have a Darth Vader kind of father to have a father wound. I mean, uh, Stewie had a wonderful father and yet, your father passed. Do we talk, talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, um, I had a good dad um, when he was alive. Um, when I was 15, uh, he passed away. And uh, obviously it still makes me cry. The wounds, obviously, it's a deep wound, but God's really helped me to look to him for the things that I looked to from my, my earthly dad. Um, <clears throat> I guess I kind of felt at 15, that's when I needed my dad the most. So that's why it hurt so much. Um, I was becoming a man. I thought I was a man already at 15, but I realised that I wasn't. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it still hurts, but I, it wasn't my dad's fault. And God's really um, helped me walk with him closer. I fell in love with Jesus at that time. I was 
brought up in a Christian home, but I fell in love with Jesus at 15 as well. And I really felt that um, the presence of God was on me. He also positioned um, good fathers in my life around me uh, as well, uh, who took up some of that role as well, them and God, I guess I would say. And I know that God placed them in my life. So it's been really good. I guess that's how I work through the wound. Yeah. It seems like with a father wound, we can either, you know, uh, live our lives in the pain of that. I know for me, growing up without my real father, I don't know, the door was wide open for my heavenly father. I I mean, when bad things like that happen, but I became so receptive and I became so uh, acquainted with, to this day, intimately acquainted with my heavenly father. And so... Fred, I know you also have kind of had to walk through that a bit. Tell you you were born. Uh, I was us. born in Malaysia. So just to give you a bit of a, bit of a background, I see I came from a very poor family where both my parents were labourers, and and they are very uneducated. My dad finished primary, but barely went to primary at all. And so and then really and both their, their marriage was kind of a kind of ma- marriage of convenience it's like my, my mom was old enough to be married and one less mouth to feed in her family and my dad's like you know no he's a man he's old enough to get married and you know settle a family so really the children kind of a uh, just a, uh, a product of, of that union so there's no love or anything like that and so as you can see where i'm going now so my mom was a really she she was the one who actually mainly brought us up. Even though I, my, my, you know, I didn't, it's not like my dad left me or anything like that. He was there. He only just passed away uh, last year. So, but he was absent in the sense that, see, I I never had. Can't, I can't remember ever of a time where he actually sat down with me to you know to, to talk to me, to to teach me how to be a man and to you know and to help me to to you know how to be a good man and so I really fumbled into adulthood and uh, you know really by the grace of God I just don't know how you know I'm it's, it's amazing that I uh, probably married me because <laughs> <laughs> so the marriage could have kind of a uh, you know fallen apart very quickly but uh, you know it was uh, when I came to Australia I found God and just really that gave me a, a model you know from which to Kind of a uh, to you know to actually become a, a man and, and also just just say uh, learn just observing that the men around me and you know just learn learning from them and often like you know people kind of present the best part of themselves which is a good thing I suppose so and uh, yeah so ha- having really just being sowed in, into you know family of God and to you know to actually learn from each other. And you know, like what that song said before, I'm not alone. So you know, I'm, I'm very glad that I, I'm not alone. And there are often godly men that I can actually look up to for advice, and, which I have, and thankfully. And yes, so that's a uh, just basically I've just learned to accept the fact that the, the the way my dad was not you know really not 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 a fault of of his own, and it's really kind of the uh, the product of his upbringing. No one taught him how to be a father. I suppose many of us probably went through that. They had dad who uh, didn't know how to be a father, and yet they, you know, they now and then they become a father of a, you know, their own children. So they, in the same way, they kind of fumble through their adulthood and parenthood as well. 
Yeah. Uh, thank you, Mike. Byron, you have a, quite an interesting story uh, about, especially if we're talking about a father wound. Maybe just take a moment, if you would, please, and, and share with us. If that mic's working, try that. Look. Awesome. Thank you, um, Pastor Jack, actually, for your Maybe picture. this one's better. <laughs> Hello. Um, well, first, thank you, Pastor Jack, for the opportunity to, um, you know, uh, be alongside these mighty men and also for the call-up. You know, it's, uh, it's an honor, you know, to be alongside um, not only great men, but also pillars of the church. So um, thank you for this opportunity. Well, my story <coughs> started, um, so back in, um, back as growing up, you know, I had a good, good dad, you know, um, you know, in hindsight now, I know how he loved me. He just never showed it through affection or I love you boy, you know, I love you lad. Um, but every day he worked, I, I never understood until later on. And, um, you know, my mum's family would actually come overseas, you know, a few of them actually, a lot of them. And, uh, you know, he'd be the only provider for each and every family that would come in our house here and then. So obviously I looked to him as, um, you know, a great role model, you know. And um, I think it was my early 20s when my mum sat me down, or just after high school, I should say, she sat me down and she told me that, um, that he wasn't my real dad. Everything I knew at that point, like, it was a question mark, you know? It was as if um, I was asking myself who I was, you know, especially through everything that he's done for me, you know? Um, and then it took me back to memories of when um, people would say stuff about me and my siblings, we look different, but never did I see that until that moment. I actually took in what people said. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, as life went on, um, long story short, um, God called me to be here at Imaginations Church. And through the grace of God, um, the door opened for men's encounter. And basically everything that I fasted for, I longed for, and I prayed for, God answered at men's encounter. Wow. You know, mind you, we live in Liverpool. Everybody says the distance is pretty far. But I'd say that the distance that we speak of is the distance that Jesus had to carry that cross. Mm. Now that's what you call distance. You know, so um, coming to, to Imaginations Church, you know, obviously hearing Pastor Jack for the first time, um, um, uh, it brought me peace, you know. Um, yeah, so our Heavenly Father truly does um, come through with his promises, you know, and um, yeah, yeah, so big shout out to, Med, um, to uh, Men's Encounter, you know? <laughs> it's in October by the way, for those yeah, good on you, mate, good on you, you know, but uh, wow, yeah. imagine being 20 years old and finding out that your father's not even your father, and the, the amazing uh, struggle that would be to work through, and uh, Byron shared with us the other night, he actually then did meet his father, uh, sometime later and found out that he, there was many other siblings in his world, things that he didn't even know about. And so having to work through a lot of those kinds of things, and I agree with you, brother. I've never seen 
anything to help anybody more than an encounter. You know, to get away at an encounter and let God go deep and dig deep. But fathers are just human beings. It's the heavenly father that's exceptional. And mind you, we do have exceptional fathers, of course. But all fathers are frail and all fathers are flesh. And so we have to work through what a father wound might feel like in your world or in your life. I know that when I met my dad and he began to try to explain, I stopped him. And I said, sir, you don't have to mention anything about the past. As a Christian, I'm someone whose past has totally been washed away. And all I'm concerned about right now is this moment and the future. And I want you to know the past is completely forgotten and completely forgiven. Only someone who has experienced grace like that, I think, can extend grace like that. And if you've experienced grace like that in your life from your Heavenly Father, do yourself a favor and extend that grace to your earthly father as well. Now I want to talk about pornography. Mitch, how are you preparing your sons or your children in this day and age when, in my day and age, pornography was a Playboy magazine in the back of the liquor store? And you ran in, not, not that I would know personally, but you ran in real quick, you opened it up to the middle, and then your heart pounded out of your chest, so I've been told, and you ran out. <laughs> but that's not today. That's not today. Mitch, talk us through what you're teaching your children about pornography. Uh, I think the first thing is, uh, is you just got to be willing to get in there and have those conversations. Uh, you don't want to just push it to the side and say, oh, it'll be right, and it won't happen. You know, my kids won't get caught up in that stuff. You know, it's important to be bold and take, have those conversations and, because I want to protect my kids. I want them to grow up, uh, you know, in the area of their sexuality being pure and, and honouring God with that as well. And so helping them understand why we need to have those conversations and because of the danger as well. And then I think there's two sides of it. One is having the conversations and using, there's some great resource these days to equip us and help us in that and sit down with them and like, it's hard to know exactly what to say, but utilizing things, there's great books at Kurong and things like that where we can sit down and have a real chat and, and helping them understand the dangers of it. How easy it is for them to stumble upon something and get caught up in a web that will, it, you know, it'll be an addiction in their lives if they're not careful. So it's help, have that, having those conversations, but then also being a protector as a father as well. You know, I, I'm pretty tech savvy, but I know how easy it is to circumvent stuff. And, but I want to make sure, you know, we have rules in our house that you don't have a device in your room with the door closed. So that things happen in private, but rather we have that in the open and you can't accidentally stumble on something. We've got passwords like crazy on everything. And it frustrates my kids and it sometimes frustrates me. Like they want to watch YouTube, for instance, and I've got to put in the password, but it's important because I want to protect my kids. I want to make sure that they they stay strong in that area and that they've got a good foundation for their future. It's great, match. I mean, not only are we providers, but we are protectors. Yeah. And exceptional times maybe calls for some exceptional, you know, mandates that, uh, that, uh, that, that, that we need. And it's not only, uh, you know, protecting our kids, we know that there are those right now who are after our children. Yeah. It's crazy the stuff that gets sent. It's crazy that you don't even have to be searching or looking and all of a sudden there is a trap or a snare. And as fathers, we of course want to 
to really, really protect our children. Uh, Lockie, what about you in this area of protecting with pornography? I think, yeah, my, my kids are quite young, but um, something we, uh, we cover off in Safer Churches training as well, and uh, something that I've done a bit of research in, both for my own benefit, the you know, benefit of friends and, and the benefit of colleagues too, is um, how our brains respond to pornography and, and what that stimulus is and how it works. And that, um, that there's power in knowledge, right? Um, and and, and uh, I think if, if you have questions or you want to know more, or if my kids, when the time is right and they have questions, they want to know more, I want them to be equipped to understand how their brains are working and responding to these stimuli and what it means for them. Um, one of the most powerful things that someone, um, someone mentioned is that any addiction, if it's an addiction, is a medical condition. You know, and you can get help for a medical condition. Um, so that, and that's, that's right at the end of the road, right? But, but I think early on, a bit like Mitch said, it's not a question of if my kids are exposed to pornography, it's a question of when my kids are exposed to pornography. And that is a tragic reality of today. When that time comes, they need to be ready um, to know what's happening in their brain, to what's, what's happening in their eyes, what's happening in their spirit. And I want them to have the tools to shut it down themselves. I want them to have the tools to know that they need to go seek God um, or go seek a parent or go seek a trusted adult, um, someone who can walk them through that because um, I remember my first exposure to internet pornography, it was a, it was a typo and um, the shame and guilt, even for just open and close, you know, it takes time to process and I was ill-equipped to process that. It was new, not only new for our age, but I wasn't in a, in a Christian house, I didn't know Jesus, and so it took a long time to kind of figure out what that, that is, and if you can label it properly, it's actually, it's a trauma. And then the ongoing addictions, or the ongoing habits that form is, is a result of a trauma. So, so teaching your kids, we don't have the time to go in it today, but teaching your kids uh, the tools and being, make sure they're equipped with the tools to deal with that when it happens is super important. Um, we've got resources in the kids' church. You can ask any of the kids' leaders to point you in the right direction. Kurong has tools. Um, Google how dopamine works in the brain. It's fascinating. Uh, and once you have that knowledge, you can, you can kind of go, I know what I need to do. I know what my kids need to do when, when that time comes, not if that time comes. You know, we, uh, as, as fathers, we're covering. And, and I saw years ago as a young man the illustration of an umbrella that's over your family and the enemy and the world is raining down, wanting to get them. And I, I understood this, that many times the temptation that a father faces, you're not the real target. You're just in the way of the real target. The real target's your wife or your children. And if you are in a place where your umbrella is filled with holes because you yourself have maybe not worked out, how do I live a pure life or a clean life? And I, I just really has helped me many times as a father to know that when I'm going through severe temptation, sometimes I hear this thought in my voice, you're not, it's not even about you. It's not even you the enemy's after, it's your kids. But he's got to get you to be a very weak, poor, with big holes in the umbrella, covering. 
And so it's very important as fathers, as protectors, that we are a solid covering. And if we're not, let's become that. Let's get on our knees. Let's get help. Let's get together. And let's remember that many times the temptation is not even, it's not even you the enemy's after. It's your kids. Let me ask a question here about, because my kids are all grown. And now we're raising grandkids. Ha, ah, the reward of getting older is grandkids. You love your kids. You love your grandkids a lot. But I want to talk about regrets. And I, uh, I want to talk about regrets as a father. And I, we'll, we're running a little bit out of time here, but I still want to at least go there a little bit. I have regrets as a father. And it's mainly in the area of being so angry with my children. I... Um, I just, if I could take it back, I would take back the scenes that are in my mind of me being so angry at my kids. Just, and I can't even remember anything they did to make me angry, but I can remember getting so angry. I remember once with my son, I don't know what he did, but here was this great big man down in his face with the veins popping out of my neck, and I was so angry, and this little kid looking up, and I regret that. I really, really regret that. Um, I think I one of the worst days of my life, about 25 years ago when my daughter Carissa was about 15, and she and I were having a big blue and over the dinner table one night, and she wouldn't step back. She wouldn't back down. and, and the more she wouldn't back down, the madder I got. My kids never really saw me lose my temper like crazy, but they've seen me get mad. But that night, I lost my temper like crazy. And I just couldn't believe. And so she was in my face, and I was in her face, and I got so angry, and I slapped her, and I swore at her. And she had never in her life heard her father swear or had me slap her. That was a three-finger slap. It didn't matter. It was, a, you know, might as well have been a shovel because it was so huge. And when I did that to her in anger, I was so angry. I remember her arms dropped to her side and her head went down. And she just slowly turned around and walked to her room. And I walked into the living room thinking, what have I just done? You talk about a father wound father wound that could maybe last the rest of someone's life and I wept and wept and wept and I finally got up and now nothing mattered that we were fighting about nothing mattered that I didn't like about her all that mattered is what a terrible thing I had just done and I knocked on the door of her bedroom and just weeping and weeping I fell on her shoulder and begged her to please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me. She put her arms around me, she wept with me, she forgave me, and all these years later, me and her best mates, we hiked the world together, and we're best buddies, but I regret that day. I regret that moment. I regret letting anger somehow become a force in trying to discipline or raise my children. I regret that. All right. Don't be angry at your kids. Go count to 10 or 1,000. But 
but work it out in your soul that you're not an angry father. I plead with you for that. All right, just maybe before we finish here, let me ask, uh, Stu, what advice would you give to a young dad? Um, I'd probably say learn patience. (laughs) (laughs) Where were you when I needed you? Uh, I think uh, when we pray for patience, God gives us lots of opportunities to be patient. And I think kids will always ask questions at the worst possible moment. And I think sometimes we just, uh, that's, I guess, regrets for me, but I, I wish I stepped back from what I was doing, was patient, uh, and was present there um, to engage in those conversations because I always want my kids to think that they can come and ask me anything whenever because they're the most important thing for me, but I realised that that wasn't always the case. So I'd probably, I know the two things, be, be patient and be present uh, with your kids because uh, it goes so fast. I, I can't believe that my kids are old, are getting older, you know, and uh, haven't got grandkids yet. Oh, my Lord, please. Um, but I was actually going to bring that up myself, but I, I, I was afraid if I did, never mind. It's been four years. It's, oh, come on, do something. But... Um, no, but I'm really looking forward to that. So, um, and I think, um, not that you make amends with your grandkids, but it's going to be different, you know. And yeah. Um, yeah, so I'd say that to young dads: be patient and be present. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, Byron, what what would what would you say? You, how old are your children? You, uh, they're you have four children. How old yes. are they? This one was. Yeah. So um, uh, my daughter, she's eleven. Lyrics Honor, Josiah's eight, uh, Jonah's six, and my baby boy Uriah, he's going to turn four in November. Now tell me, I just shared a while ago what I've done wrong, how I've got it wrong. Share with me something, how you've got it right with your family. What have you got right with your family? That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what, to be honest, um, one thing that really impacted and influenced me was my wife. You know, little hottie at the back there. Um, So she actually... Um, told me that I was a mama's boy, you know, and I never knew that. So everything that um, we as a family are today is because I work together with my wife. That's awesome, man. That's absolutely awesome. Yeah, good. I know the other night Fred was saying the same thing, pretty much what you said, and we were talking about angry, and Fred was sharing also with me that sometimes that's a real, a real, um, you know, trip up for him. But he said the very same thing. But his wife, Ronnie, has really, really helped him through that. Dan, just one last question for you: um, uh, How, uh, how have you ever, how have you helped your kids through a time when they've had a crisis of faith? story that comes to mind was um, I had just taken Lauren to music practice up in Glenbrook and we were driving down the, down the highway and um, Lauren was going through some stuff at the time and um, I was trying to help her I was trying to explain to her um, my point of view um, you know respectfully she said she didn't understand what I was trying to say to her and uh, she didn't think that I understood her and um, 
and I said to her that, um, I said, I understand it's a really hard time for you at this age. You're not a, you, you don't feel like a child anymore, but you're definitely not an adult. And I said, so I understand that it's, uh, that it's pretty hard and, and I've got grace for that. I said, but what you've got to understand is that I've never been a father of a 15, 16, whatever age it was. I've never been a father of a 16-year-old girl before. I said, you might think that I've got it all together. I know everything, I've got it all together, but I'm winging it. I'm just relying on God to, to prompt me as to what is the right thing to say and the right thing to do and all that kind of stuff. I said, so the, with the grace that I extend you, can I ask you to extend it to me as well? And we'll work it, and we'll work it out together. And I honestly believe that from that day forward was a monumental change, um, not only in my relationship with her, which I think was a dramatic um, uh, benefit, but uh, I think she started on the journey to um, finding her own finding her own place with God. It's awesome, Dan. It's amazing that sometimes authenticity, transparency, and humility can do things that we would never have the capacity, the training, uh, the ability to do on our own. All right. Well, uh, six minutes over time, but uh, you don't care, do you? <laughs> can I ask every man to stand, even if you're not a father, because I believe if you're not a father, you are certainly a prospect at some point in your life. Could I ask every man to stand? First off, can you help me thank these brothers for their heart? Has this been helpful? I don't think I could have preached anything that would have covered all of that. And uh, so I'm very grateful. Uh, I love this church. I love the fathers that are in this house, the sons that are in this house, the brothers. And like these men have said, and, and uh, uh, Fred mentioned it as well, we, we can be formed in the family of God. Even if we weren't formed necessarily well in the family that we grew up in, we can certainly be formed in the family of God, where we can be accountable, where we can be teachable, where we can be covered. And we can live in victory, man, listen to me. We can live in victory. But it's hard to get there all by yourself. But it's a lot easier to get there as a family and as a brotherhood, as a band of brothers. So I want to pray over every man and especially every father. Heavenly Father, you are the good, good Father. And we love you with all of our heart. And Lord, you have made us. You've made us in your image. And we stand here as men. And Lord, we stand humbly before our God. And we thank you for every good gift that has come into our lives. We thank you for the body of Christ. That, Lord, we don't have to do it alone or go it alone. We thank you for family. We thank you for connect groups. We thank you, Lord, for mentors. We thank you, Lord, for friendships. And I pray, Father, you will grow and build in Imaginations Church a true, true band of brothers. That, Lord, we're not posing, we're not pretending, we're not putting forth an image that isn't real, but that in authenticity, 
because that's a hill we die on here, Lord, is authenticity. In authenticity and in transparency and in humility, we might change and we might grow and we might become better than we are. So this Father's Day, I bless every dad in the house, every grandfather in the house, in Jesus' name.